Welcome to Living Love, the radio broadcast ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Benton, Illinois. Our desire is to live love to God, to others, and the nations. We hope this week's broadcast will bless and encourage you. Now, let's dive into God's Word and see how we can live love today. Last couple weeks, we've been talking about the mission at Emmanuel. Um, different than vision. Remember, we've, we've, we've kind of hashed through that a little bit and want to continue to put that in front of you because uh, God has a vision for Emmanuel. I believe there's a vision that's there, but there's a mission for all churches. That's not just a, uh, this is not just an Emmanuel thing. This is just a church thing. As Jesus is preparing to ascend to the Father, he'd already conquered the grave. He'd spent about 40 days walking around and um, revealing himself to his followers. Paul even says at one time as many as 500 people saw Jesus after his uh, crucifixion and then resurrection. And as Jesus is about to ascend into heaven, he tells those with him, he says, listen, God has given me all power. So as you go, make disciples of everywhere. Everywhere you go, make disciples. And as you do so, you will baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you will teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And then Jesus said those beautiful words, I will always be with you. Here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, we have been called. The mission that we have is to make disciples. It is, it is a, a a, a two-part exercise. We want to see people step out of the darkness and into the light and then walk with Jesus. Not walk with us. Not follow after us, but walk with Jesus. And that is a journey we take together. Last week, we looked at the, um, the call that if you're to make disciples, you must first be a disciple. And we're going to talk about that a little bit here this morning. We looked at that question, what does it... How is Jesus discipling us today? How is Jesus discipling me? Not, not the church, not someone else, but how is Jesus discipling me? When I was in, 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 in college, I remember I was a freshman. I was um, young. I was excited. God had really done a kind of a renewal in my life, a rejuvenating in my life. And I'd already surrendered my life to vocational ministry, but God just did a little bit extra something special and really um, kind of grabbed me by the nape of my neck. You ever, you ever done that to one of your kids? Um, it's all in love. It really is. Um, people might not. Jeremiah's not in here right now. That'd have been fun. Um, he might have said, it's not always in love. It is. It, it's in love, but you do it to kind of grab their attention. Um, God grabbed my attention, and I was enthusiastic, and I was excited. I was excited for what was to come. I was excited for the journey that he was going to let me walk, continue to walk with him. And I believed it was important for me to come alongside other people. I, that was, it was very, uh, it, it was encouraged. Hey, find someone that can mentor you. Find someone that, that can disciple you. And so I remember I went to our, I went to our BSM director, or BSU director, or Baptist, it, it changes. It's changed over time. It's kind of like it used to be Crusade for Christ, and now it's just crew and all, all kinds of fun stuff there. Um, it's because it looks really cool on a piece of paper. And anyway, um, I remember I walked up to this, this individual who was our, 
um, BSM director, and I said, I'd, I'd love to come alongside, let you, have you come alongside me and help me grow in my relationship with the Lord. And he said something that would um, probably impact my walk in a way for years to come. And he said, Kirk, you don't need anybody to do that. I think you're good. Church, I'm here to tell you that's, that was the wrong answer. I wasn't good. I was 18. I was stupid because I was 18. <laughs> I mean, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't developed. I wasn't, yeah, I'd been walking with Jesus for a while, but I had, I had room to grow. I needed to learn. This individual was 20, 30 years older than me. I, I, I needed to come alongside someone. He said, no, I think you're good. No, we've been called to make disciples. We've been called to walk alongside people. It's imperative if we are to carry out his mission, not just to be discipled by Jesus, but to go and make disciples. That's what we're talking about this morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, sorry, Timothy's not a name of the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to be in the first two verses of 2 Timothy. This morning I want us to look at this question, what does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? What does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? If we as a, we as a church, which, and remember what, what is a church not? A church is not a place, a church is a people. A church is not a place, a church is the people. Emmanuel Baptist Church is a church because it consists of followers of Jesus, not because there's a really cool building out there. So when we talk about the church, we don't talk about the place, we're talking about the people. And he has given the church, he's given the people the mission to make disciples of all nations as we go. So what does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? We're not making disciples of us, we're making disciples of Jesus, what does it look like to do that? That's what we're going to look at this morning. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter one, excuse me, chapter two, beginning in verse one, it says this: "You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." Let me read those verses again. Just let these verses marinate in your ears. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust a faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? Well, there's something that needs to exist before you can ever make disciples of Jesus. And we've discussed this, but we need to land there again. Before you go out and try to make disciples of Jesus, you need to be a disciple of Jesus. What does it look like to make disciples of Jesus? Well, if you're going to make disciples of Jesus, you need to understand this. We, you, need Jesus. Look what it says right there at the beginning. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That, that word strengthened there means to keep being empowered by. Keep being empowered by, to, to constantly be strengthened by who? 
by Jesus. By his grace. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. And you need God's grace every single day. We need God's daily unmerited favor. It's not something we could earn. It's not something we deserve. I don't deserve God's grace. There's not a person sitting in this room that deserves Jesus. If, if anything, quite the opposite. Every person sitting here this morning does not deserve Jesus. We could never earn God's grace. We could never deserve God's grace. That's what makes it grace, is it's unmerited favor. And the greatest favor that Jesus could ever give people is to give them life instead of death. That is the greatest favor we could ever receive, is that we get to spend an eternity in the presence of a holy God instead of spending an eternity separated from a holy God. Church, if we're going to make disciples of Jesus, we need Jesus. We are desperate for Jesus. Jesus must be our everything. We looked at that, that last week. How is Jesus discipling us? What does it look like to have Jesus disciple you? And remember, it's, we, we said we need to deny ourselves take up our cross, and follow him. To be discipled by Jesus is, we say that, Jesus, you are my number one priority. I submit myself to your will, and I'm going to follow after you. I'm not going to follow after me. I'm not going to follow after someone. You are my all in all. He's the Lamb of God. He's the one who takes away our sins. He's the one worth following. Church, if I'm going to make a, disciple of, make a disciple of Jesus, I need to know Jesus. And I think one of the great tragedies in churches today, and potentially one of the greatest tragedies that could ever take place at the end of an individual's life, is that they led people to Christ, but they weren't following after Christ. That they... they shared the gospel with people and, let, and saw people step out of death and into life, yet they did not follow after Jesus themselves. That's, that's that Matthew 7. Remember the, the, the narrow gate that leads to righteousness. Few follow it. The wide gate, the wide path that many walk, and that leads to destruction. You know, there will be a day where people will stand before Jesus, and Jesus will look at them and say, I realize you did great things in my name, but I do not know you. There is no more devastating words an individual could ever hear in their life. It would be for the king of kings to look at you and say, I don't know who you are. You've heard me say it before. Um, and, and, and I believe it with all my heart. It is, it is vital that you know God, but it is doubly so that he know you. There will be people that stand before God where God says, depart from me. I never knew you. Church, if we're going to make disciples of Jesus, first and foremost, we need Jesus. We need to be strengthened day by day by his grace.
But not only do we need Jesus, we also need to have others in our lives that are a part of our discipleship journey. If we're going to make disciples of Jesus, then we need people in our lives that are helping us through this thing called life as we follow after him. He says right there, Paul is talking to Timothy. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many, many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. The relationship that Paul and Timothy had was a very unique relationship and a very special relationship. Paul often refers to Timothy as his child and not in a condescending way, but in a deep bond, spiritual kind of way. Paul was instrumental in Timothy's development as a follower of Jesus. And, and Timothy submitted himself to that relationship. He, he, Timothy didn't think he had it all figured out. He didn't think that he had arrived. He knew that it was vital for him to surround himself with people that had been walking with God. And, and, and it's not you have to surround yourself with people who are older than you walking with God. You need to surround yourself with people who have maybe been walking with God longer than you have or who are at the same level or maybe further along in their spiritual walk with Jesus. If you're going to make disciples of people, you need to let people come alongside you and speak into your life about what it means to follow after him. You know, I, th I think it's one thing that is difficult as a pastor on staff is finding yourselves in situations and making yourself, making sure that you're in situations to where people can speak into your life instead of you just speaking into people's life, lives. I was talking to Pastor John and I were having the conversation earlier this week. Nothing special happened when I went from being an associate pastor to being a lead pastor. Nothing special spiritually happened. It's not like I suddenly became more spiritual. It's not like I got a, it's not like I got a, 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 a package in the mail saying, hey, here's your direct line for, to me. Here's your special iPhone that you need to carry around with you all the time. Because we don't have phones on our desks anymore. Well, we do. We just don't use them. You ever met someone that carried around multiple iPhones? Like they had a personal phone and a work phone? I went out to eat breakfast one morning with a good friend of mine in Oxford, and he, um, his job must have been important. We sat down to eat, and he pulled out of his pocket three phones and set them on the, on the table. And I said, wow, that looks horrible. What did you do to upset somebody? And he said, well, one was his personal phone. One was his work phone. And then the other one belonged to another individual who was on vacation, and so he had his work phone. And I said, you know you can forward numbers to one phone. He said, no, I don't want to accidentally give my personal phone number to anybody. <laughs> he, had, he had multiple. That didn't happen when I became a lead pastor. I didn't, get a, I didn't get a package in the mail with God saying, hey, here's your direct line to me. Now, do you know what my direct line is to God? Jesus. The spirit in, in the spirit, that's my direct line. Guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the same direct line. As a pastor, I'm not more spiritual. 
I've just been called to something different. I need Jesus as much as you need Jesus. And I need to be intentional about submitting myself to the leadership, to the teaching, and to the growing alongside other people as much as you do. Church, that's why there will be Sundays where you will, you will see our family here in church when I'm not preaching, but I'm sitting there on the front row with my Bible open listening to the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's why you'll see me in here on Wednesday nights listening to Pastor Greg, who is an incredible teacher of God's word. And I thank the Lord for Pastor Greg. I thank the Lord for Pastor Ryan, Pastor Ryan. I still haven't figured out what I'm going to call him. Ryan 1, Ryan 2 just doesn't sound right. Call him by their last name. Well, it's like Ryan Mulvaney was always, he got to be Ryan because he was here first. I didn't think that's fair. <laughs> but Ryan Mulvaney led devotion for us a couple weeks ago in staff meeting and just opened up God's word in a beautiful way. I've, I've, the last couple weeks I've been back in the, student, uh, in the student ministry on Wednesday nights hearing um, Ryan Casey work through the parables of Jesus. It's vital that you sit underneath and sit alongside people that are helping you in your journey with the Lord. You can't make disciples of people when you're always, for, what, for no better way of saying it, when you're always at the top of the pyramid. Now, there's someone at the top of the pyramid, church, and it's not me. It's Jesus. So if I'm going to make disciples of people, what does it look like? Well, first, I need Jesus. Second, I need to come alongside other people. I need to have other people come alongside me and speak into my life. But that's not where it stops. See, if that's where it stopped, it would just be a whole bunch of church people always coming together, just hanging out with, each, with, with one another. And that's not, you can't make disciples that way. You're not making disciples at all. You're just hanging out. Now, not only do we need Jesus and not only do we need other people in our lives that are helping us in our journey with the Lord, we need to make disciples of people. We need to come alongside lost people and see them enter into a relationship with the Lord and then walk with them to where someday they will do the same. Look, look there, it says, it says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Do you see the number of levels that exist there? I mean, it's staggering. It is a really short sentence that has a whole lot of ramifications when we talk about the church. He, Paul said, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. See, when we've, we're called to make disciples, we're called to make disciples of people who will eventually make disciples of people, who will then make disciples of people. And, and it's important that we understand what's taking place there. See, there's an important content when it comes to making disciples. Here's what making disciples is not. Making disciples is not sitting around with other people talking about yesterday's football games or about local town gossip. That's not what it means to make disciples. Making disciples is not just gathering together so that we can have a good time enjoying one another's company. That's not what it means to make disciples. 
Now, there is a, there's a specific content when, it come, when we talk about making disciples. And the content is the things of God. When we fellowship as a church, the deepest fellowship we could have as a body of believers is when we come together and we talk about the things of God. That's the greatest conversation we could have. When we meet with people who don't know Jesus, the greatest conversation we could ever have with them is about Jesus. Not about the things of the world. Does it mean we're not supposed to talk about those things? No, they're great conversation starters. It's great to talk about things that are going on in our world today, but that is not the end desire. That is not the end state of our conversation. No, we should always be wanting to talk about Jesus. Let Jesus be part of our conversation. Get around to talking about the things of him. And, and that's, what, that's what Paul's saying. Listen, entrust to other people what I've given you, what you've seen me talk about. Whether that be the disciplines of Jesus, the the. the the different um, ways that it means to walk and follow after him. We talked about it last week. If, if you're gonna, if Jesus is discipling you, there, there are things that need to exist in your life. You need to read God's word. You need to spend time in prayer. You need to fellowship with other believers and you need to tell the world that Jesus saves. I mean, those are things that need to exist, but you just don't magically learn those things. You have to be taught those things. You ever thought about how you could really mess up a kid? I mean, I don't think you should sit around thinking about that. But like when you hold up a, goodness, that was like a bad prop opportunity. If I were to hold this up, what is this? Thank you. Class participation. This is a microphone. But you know what? If I raised somebody and I always handed them this and said, this is a fork. <laughs> Some of you are like, you'd be a jerk. It's like, no, I'd be on Dateline. Um, if I were to hand somebody this and say, this is a fork from a young age, and they'd never seen or heard of a fork or a microphone for that matter, what would they call this? They'd call it a fork. See, you just don't magically have knowledge. You have to be taught things. See, you just don't magically know what it means to follow after Jesus. I didn't touch whose mic, I didn't. Put my mouth on whose microphone that is. You don't just wake up one day and know what it means to follow after Jesus. You need to be in, taught those things. Those things have to be entrusted to you. And who do we entrust with the things of Jesus? People that are following after Jesus. See, church, we don't need to be a place that what we believe is making disciples is just having people walk into our building and just always telling them about all these deep things about God. You need to tell them why it's important to know these deep things about God. It's because there's a God who loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to live a sinless life, to go to the cross, to be crucified, to be put in the grave, to conquer the grave once and for all. And that is the only person to have ever existed that can save your life. They need to know that. And then they know what it means to follow after Jesus. But sometimes we get into this, this mindset to where we're just teaching people what it means to follow after Jesus without them actually following after Jesus. That's why Paul says, entrust this to faithful people who can then do it. And then we see this idea of a multiplication of disciple making. See, it's not my goal at the end of the day to 
be the only person that makes disciples. It's not Greg's goal at the end of the day to be the only person making disciples. It's not Gary's job at the end of the day to be the only person making disciples. It's not Larry's job at the end of the day to be the only person making disciples. It's not Miss Kay's job at the end of the day to be the only person making disciples. No, we want to make disciples who will then make disciples. Who will then make disciples. Because this is what Paul says. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses... Can we, do, can we do like a visual aid? Will that be okay? Can we do that? I'm going to call on some of you, and it's going to be okay. Pastor John, would you mind standing up? So Pastor John and I were in a relationship. This is, what, this is what Paul is saying. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. So Mike, would you come up here? Would you mind? So, they didn't know I was going to do this. They're so upset right now. And Luke's sitting up there going, I'm not getting a good picture on the camera. That's fine too. So going to entrust a faithful man. So if I were in a, if I were in a discipleship relationship with, uh, a making discipleship relationship with John, I'm going to entrust things to John where then he's going to entrust things to Mike. And as he entrusts things to Mike, this is what he's going to do. He's going to tell Mike, hey, I need you to go over there to Greg and go make a disciple of him. And Greg's going to stand up, and he's mad at me too now. And John's not done with things yet, because John's going to come over here by Don. He's going to make a disciple of Don. And, and, and look how cool this is, because if it were just about me, I'd have to spend time with John. And I'd have to be like, all right, you good? Great. I'm going to go over here to Greg. Now, here's where it gets fun. Imagine if we're not going to go too much longer with this. But imagine if I had these four men say, all right, now I want you to go out and find four more people. We would only have to go about two more levels to where everyone in this room were having to stand up. And what's really kind of crazy is that not, that's, this isn't how Jesus did things. Jesus didn't just meet with one person. Jesus was always meeting with multiple people. The only time Jesus met with, with one person was usually a really rough conversation. So imagine here quickly, if, if John, Don, and I, that, that, that was cute, um, John, Don, and I had started out, and I told them, I say, I want you to go find two more people. And then Mike, Greg, and then they said, I need you to each go and find out two more people. Everybody would be standing up within a matter of moments. Thanks, gents. Mike, I made you walk the furthest. You're good. You can have it. Yes, sir, it's over. <laughs> don't know how this is going to go in the next service. Somebody's going to come up to me, and I said, I don't think you should have done that. I said, well, Brandy would probably agree with you. We could make disciples of people quickly. And I think that was Jesus' intent. It wasn't to elevate an individual within the church to say, you're the person. No, it's to take those who are following after Christ and say, you are the people that can change the world. Have you ever thought about how, loon, how crazy, how lunacy-filled Jesus' plan was to change the world? I heard a fun illustration a couple years ago, a number of years ago. Imagine this scenario. Jesus ascends into heaven. It's not in the Bible, so it's pretend. Jesus ascends into heaven, and there's a big homecoming because <laughs> they're excited to have Jesus back. 
And as Jesus walks in, he's having a conversation with Michael, the archangel. Not real conversation. But imagine Michael, the archangel, looking at Jesus and saying, okay, what's next? And Jesus is saying, well, I met these 11 guys. Well, 12, one of them didn't pan out. I met these 11 guys. And we're going to change the world through them. Church, we're going to make disciples. We're going to do it together. Because I believe God still wants to change the world. And I believe he still can change the world. And you know why I believe that? Because he's changed me. And if he can change me, he can change anybody. Will you join me? Know Jesus. Know Jesus first and foremost. Get over yourself and let yourself come alongside people who can also walk with you as you grow with God, but then you go out and you make disciples. And the goal at the end of the day is not to keep those people with me. No, I don't want to retain anyone. I want to release them to the world. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of Living Love. If this message has impacted you in any way, please let us know. If you would like to contact us, find out more about our church, or if you'd like to support our mission, visit ibcbenton.com. That's ibcbenton.com. Or give us a call at 618-439-3513. That's 618-439-3513.